All right, open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2, put a ribbon there, and then go to Psalm 119. I want to make a comment about last week's message. I know some of you have been looking for it, and it's not on Facebook, YouTube. Um, that message was really for us, and... Uh, People could take some of it and take it out of context, and, and that's not what we, want, what we want to happen. So if you'd like a copy of that, see Michael back there. Michael, wave at everybody, and uh, he can get you a copy of it on CD. All right. Look with me at Psalm 119, and why don't we do this? I know you all just got settled in. Let's all stand, and let's read through this text together. Psalm 119, we're in verse 121. I, um, I'm going to read through this, and it's amazing how relevant God's Word is wherever you are. I was listening to someone that I enjoy. Um, he's kind of a, political, a Christian political commentator, and he's frustrated with churches that don't teach their people about current events and, and those things. And he said, he, he said, I'm tired of you verse-by-verse verse churches that you're so deep in the Word, but you never deal with the culture. And I was thinking, what kind of verse-by-verse verse teachers are you talking about? Because if you preach through the Bible, it's always applicable to where you are right now. And it was so difficult for me. How many of you know that I think about politics a lot? Okay. I'm going to try my best to preach this text from a biblical perspective, not a political perspective. But we're going to read through these eight verses together, and you'll see how hard that will be. All right? Now, here's what we're going to do. God's good. So I'm going to show you a passage that I'm going to deal with tonight that will take care of all of that. All right? So now, look at verse 121. I have done judgment and justice. Leave me not to mine oppressors. Be surety for thy servant for good. Let not the proud oppress me. Mine eyes fail for thy salvation and thy word, I'm sorry, and for the word of thy righteousness. Deal with thy servant according to mercy and teach me thy statutes. I am thy servant. Give me understanding that I may know thy testimonies. It is time for thee, Lord, to work. For I have for they have made void thy law. I'm speaking on that tonight. They have made void thy law. Therefore, I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. Lord, help us as we study your word. And Lord, over and over again, I'm amazed at how poignant, how, how relevant, how timely, how, how nourishing your word is wherever we are as we preach through it. So Father, help us to have your mind today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I do want to mention a couple of things. We want to continue to pray for Ruby Lime. I understand she did better as of Friday. She started to do a little bit better. Praise God for that. Is she still in the hospital? Okay. 
So Sue's mom, Ruby, um, has COVID, so she's in the hospital um, and pneumonia. So we want to continue to pray for Ruby. And if you haven't heard Mark Trotter, you know that he had bladder cancer. He was being treated for it, and now it's spread all through his body. And it's just he's, he's eaten up with cancer. So pray for our friend, Mark Trotter. And, um, you know, Grace, honestly, God uses men, and we don't worship men. We don't exalt men. But at least under the, my pastorate, there's probably no one man that has had a greater influence on our church because of discipleship than Mark Trotter and, and how to study the Bible. So um, let's just take a minute and pray for Ruby and Mark right now. Lord, we love you. And Lord, we have many people that are sick, many people that have gone through COVID and other things and some home right now. And Father, I pray that you'll especially be with Ruby right now. And like we said Wednesday night, if it weren't for people like Ruby and Pete Lime, there would be no Grace Baptist Church. So, Father, I pray for Ruby. I know that you love her more than we do. So, Father, be with her and help her. And then our friend Mark, Lord, please be with him. Be with his family. Strengthen him. Lord, we know that you could heal this and raise him up, but we say not our will, but yours be done. Lord, we love you. Help us as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing that I want you to see is statements about David, statements David makes about himself and statements that we ought to be able to make about ourselves. You know, it's it's one thing to learn. It's another thing to apply your learning to your own life. So let's first of all look at some statements that David makes about himself. Look at verse 21. I have done judgment and justice. I have done judgment and justice. You know, the Bible says, Woe to him that calls good evil and evil good. So the question for us, now David could say this, and this was a unique statement where David could stand up and say, uh, as, a, as a king, I've done justice. I have done judgment, which uh, Spurgeon talked about how unusual this was for an Eastern dictator who ev- all of their rulership was about their own power. David could say, I have done judgment and I have done justice, but what about you in your own life? What, what, the things that you say are good, are they good? The things that you say are bad, are they bad? And what about justice? Are you just in the way that you interact with people? Am I just? How many of you find yourself behaving differently or reacting to people differently, not based on truth, but based on personality? You have some people that push your buttons? Usually they're family. Nobody can push your buttons like your own family. I know that in the past, I've reacted to things my sisters say to me in a way that I would never react to you guys. That's not just. It's not just. Does that make sense? Are you all with me? And it's interesting that we can deal with people based on our own pet issues. You know, if the economy is your issue, you talk to people in a certain way. If social things are your issue, then you talk to people in a certain way. Well, what ought to be important to us is God and God's Word. And let me say this. As believers, politics, economics, and religion cannot be separated. Remember, the pietist movement was, they decided that, well, what we want to do is we want to have two distinct societies. We want to have spiritual or religious society, and we want to have secular society, and ne'er the twain shall meet. So what you could do is you could go into the public sphere and live in a certain way that is at complete odds 
with what you came to believe, with what you claim to believe spiritually. We can't be those people. We have to live out our faith. What about pray for those who are in authority over you? How many of you have already cut that verse out of your Bible this week? Man, that's tough. It's tough. How, if we're going to live out our faith, you know, what about the person on your street that had a different political sign in his yard than you do? How are you going to interact with that person? Is our job to bring them over to our side politically or is our job to represent Christ to them? You see, I have done judgment righteously. I have done justice. Can you say that? Can you say that in the way that you're living, in the way that you're working? And I've got to tell you, in my lifetime, there's never been a more difficult time to do that than right now because of all the conflicting information that's going on. Did you all see that the World Health Organization came out yesterday and changed the way that we need to look at the COVID testing so we can lower the false positives? And I'm not a conspiracy guy. I just know that we get uh, the president sworn in and now all of a sudden stuff changes. Did you hear Dr. Fauci came out and said, we may be reaching a plateau with COVID. Isn't that amazing? What did I say last week? I don't have any idea what the truth is on any of it. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV. I don't know. All I do know is I don't trust the people that are talking about it. So how do we do justice? How do we do righteousness? Well, we certainly don't do that by living out angry, by living out in anger, living our society out in anger. Amen? Man, y'all are just like me. I can see it. There's no amens on this right here. Why? Because y'all are mean and angry conservatives just to the right of Genghis Khan, just like me. See, it's our job. Listen, our faith is so much more important than who's in the White House. Our faith is so much more important than politics. Let's not let the world sour us. Let's live justly in this world and righteously. So these are the statements that he's made at verse verse 21. I have done judgment and justice. Look at the next thing he he says in verse verse 123, mine eyes fail for thy salvation. Mine eyes fail for thy salvation. What does that mean? He has oppressors all around him. He's in, he's in a time of trouble and he's having a hard time seeing the salvation of God. And I don't know about you guys, but there are times when we're going through different things and it's hard to see the hand of God in it. But you know what we have that David didn't have? First of all, we have the Bible. David had the Old Testament, not all of it. But we have the completed Word of God and we know God's plan. Can I be kind of uh, cliche? I've read the back of the book and we win. And we have to believe that. Mine eyes fail for thy... Do you see what it says there? Again, verse 123. Mine eyes fail for thy salvation and for the word of thy righteousness. Uh, 
when I am in turmoil, it's very hard for me to read the Bible. And if y'all like that, it's very difficult for me to read the Bible. And you know what I find? When I'm in turmoil at a time like this, I open my Bible and I start reading. And it's God, how many of you know God has a sense of humor? Because what happens is you open up your Bible and it says, love your enemies. No, God, I want to kill my enemies. I hate them. Oh, how I hate them. I hate them with perfect hatred. I hate them. 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 You know, that's a good way to pray because God knows what you're thinking. And you know what God will tell you? You'll open your Bible and it says, love your enemies. Oh, I don't want to. You see what happens when we fail to see God's salvation when we fail to see how powerful God is in our lives and what he's already done, if you're born again, if you're not born again, get saved because none of it applies to you. Just the judgment applies to you. But if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are saved. Well, don't allow world events or sickness or friends sickness to drive you from the word of God. Allow it to drive you to the word of God. Look at it again, verse 123, mine eyes fail for thy salvation and for the word of thy righteousness. Now notice it's not for the word of his vengeance here. It's for the word of his righteousness. Man, you're looking at the world and, and you have all these different arguments that people make. And I'm just telling you, if you think Mitch McConnell's going to stand up for righteousness, you've got another thing coming. He's all about Mitch McConnell's power. That's what it's about. We've got to stop looking to politics for our answers. Our answers are in the Word of God. Can you say that? Mine eyes fail for thy salvation. Teach me your righteousness. Teach me to your Word. I need to, I need to get back in it. Now, I will say this. You know, for us, there's no excuse for us to fail to see God's salvation. Right? Do you know what David didn't know about? The risen Christ. If Jesus can conquer death, he can take care of politics. Man, we got to believe that. So statements that David's making about himself. I've done righteousness. I've done, I've, I've done judgment. I've done uh, justice. Mine eyes fail. But I like this one a lot. Verse 125, I am thy servant. Now, I want you to notice that third word. All right? Look at what it says. I am whose servant? Thy servant. Who are you serving? Remember, to, to whatever you serve, that becomes your master. Later on in the verse, or in the passage, it says in verse 127, Therefore I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. If, if money is, is your idol, if money is your master, you're going to become a slave to it. I, I think it was Getty when he was, he was dying and said, How much money do you need? He said, Just a little bit more. Just a little. It's, money is it, man. If money is your master, that, that's a pretty that's a pretty serious taskmaster, because your 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 faith is based on the markets, and who here knows exactly what the market's going to do over the next five years? Because if you know, I need your help. I have no idea what I need. If money is my goal, if money is the, is my master. Man, if I'm a servant of my, what about my, my career? What if your career says that you can no longer stand for Christ? What are you going to do? You're going to give up Christ or you're going to give up your career? Which, is your, which are you a servant of? Now, we've not had to make that decision much 
over the last several hundred years as Christians. We are getting to the place where it's going to be that. Um, I may deal with this some more tonight. How many of you have heard the word fascist lately? Well, what is fascism? Fascism is a marriage of the government and big business. That's fascism. That's what fascism is. Don't let anyone tell you it's anything else. That's what it is. Amazon, the banks, you know, the banks that are telling President Trump they'll no longer do business with him. You know that there are conservative people in the media that their, their banks and PayPal and things like that are making it impossible for them to make a living. What is that called? Fascism. That's one political party identifying with big business to shut people down. Folks, that's what's coming. And ultimately, we may have to choose between truth as a church and this building. What if government says you can no longer meet in your church building because you believe such and such? You understand there are people in Congress that that's what they're pushing right now. That's what we're looking at right now. So we need to decide, am I a servant of God or am I a servant of success? Am I a servant of God or I'm a servant of my career? School teachers, this may become a huge problem. Now, let me deal with one subject that people have asked me about. What about the vaccines? So I've done some research on this, and let me tell you what you should do with the vaccines. Talk to a doctor. I don't have any idea. Don't know anything about it. Pastor, are you going to take it? Well, if I have to do that to do missions work, to travel, yes. What if you grow three heads? Well, then I'll be able to speak to three different groups at a time. (laughs) Now, do your research. If they've got aborted fetal tissue in them, I don't want to give that company money. Did you all hear what I just said? How many of you think it's wrong to use aborted baby parts in drugs? Pastor, you don't understand. It's saving life. Well, how about I kill you so I can live? What's the difference? Size? Location? Ability? Whose servant are you? Whose servant are you? Now, make sure you're not a servant of your favorite political commentator. Be a servant of God and live that out in the world. That alone will put you at odds with this world system. Amen? This is David's testimony. I am thy servant. Here's another. Look at um, verse 127. Therefore, I love thy commandments above gold. It's interesting. One of the, so if I'm doing marriage counseling, a standard problem is the wife does not feel loved by the husband. How many of you know that that's true? 
Why is that? Um, my dad would tell a story about this couple that came in for counseling, and she said, um, he never says, I love you. And he, he said, she, he, the, the, the counselor looks at the man and says, well, well, what about that? He said, I told her I loved her when I got married, and if that, that ever changes, I'll let her know. That's probably not the best way to go. Would you all agree with that? And so, if I love my wife, I will know her. I will invest in her. I will care about what she cares about. Her interests will become my interests. Are you all with me? If I love God's commandments, well, then I'm going to know God's commandments. I'm going to interact with God's commandments. I'm going to care about them. And remember these words, the ten words, you know, the statutes, commandments, testimonies. What are commandments? Well, this is a hard one. These are things that God has commanded. And the things that God has commanded, I need to not, man, I wish God hadn't said that. How many of you are really glad in a political environment like this that God says, thou shalt not kill? Right? That's not the answer to a political problem. I was just talking with someone this week that's on the other side of the political spectrum. And I said this, here's the, here is the biggest problem with society right now. We can't talk to each other. We can't talk to each other. The guy I was talking to, really highly educated guy, honestly, a very sharp person, an attorney, really a sharp person. And you could see several times, I would say, because he knows that, again, I'm a conservative just to the right of Genghis Khan. And I would say something to him, and he, he, it's it like he would almost physically react because I said something that made sense and he agreed with it. And honestly, if I'm being honest, he said things that I agreed with. And so if we can just talk, all of a sudden I'm not looking at Satan, I'm looking at someone who has a different set of political beliefs than I do. If we can talk, we can find common ground. Now, you all know I'm not talking about the Hegelian dialectic where you have thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. If you don't know what I'm talking about, oh well. It's really important that you know we do believe in truth, but we also believe in dialogue. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. If you don't have respect for the person you're talking to, if you don't have respect for them as a person that Jesus Christ created and died for, then how can you ever persuade them? You see, it's a real problem if we love our politics more than we love the commandments of God. And what did God say? God told us to love one another. I know what some of you are thinking. Pastor, you're the biggest hypocrite in the world. I can't believe you're saying that. You're absolutely right. It's very difficult for me to love my enemies. It's my nature. But you know what I need to do? I need to repent of my nature and walk in the new nature and love people. And listen, if we just use snark and sarcasm when we're talking to these people, they will never listen. But if we... But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to anyone that asks a reason of the hope that is in you in meekness and in fear. Amen? Man, I love your commandments, God. I love them. These are the statements of David about himself. Then, boy, 
Verse 128. I love the balance of the Scriptures. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. How many of you believe everything God says is right? Therefore, I hate every false way. I hate it. Now, what's so good, the balance of Scripture is you love people and you hate bad ideas. So if Bill has ideas that I don't like, I can hate those ideas and show him respect and try and teach him a better way. Amen? But if all I am is sarcastic and ugly and mean, then his wall is going to come up, and now we're in a debate, and I promise you, debate never solves anything. Look at Romans chapter 1. This is the downward spiral of people who reject God. Romans chapter 1, look at verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Now, tonight my message, that, that really is my message tonight. How did that happen? How did we go from a so-called Christian nation to where they've made void thy law? How did we get from a Christian nation to a post-Christian nation? That's what my message is about tonight. Uh, let me just say this. Some of you are asleep. Wake up just for a minute. You can go back to sleep when I'm done with this statement. Really important. If you have kids that are in private school, public school, or homeschool, you have to be here tonight. It's vital that you know how we got to where we are. It's vital that you know what's going on. How is it that so many people are so confused? I'm going to show you how that happened. It was on purpose. It was part of a plan. And I'm going to show you that tonight. All right. So now we're in verse 28. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder. What's that next word? Debate. Is that interesting? Debate doesn't change people's minds. It doesn't. L let me give you the only help that a debate does. I might debate someone to demonstrate to a believer that we have answers to their challenges. But I've never seen anyone persuaded by a debate. I'm talking about the person you're debating. We've got to get to where we can discuss things with people. We can affirm the things that they say that are right. We can affirm them as individuals. We can affirm their position before God as a, as a creature that was created by Christ with a purpose and a future, a plan that God wants for them that's good. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the way that we have to look at people. We have to, it, we have to change our approach, especially in this culture as it's becoming more and more difficult. And then I hate every false way. This week, I was reminded of how much I hate sin. Man, I wish I hate sin in my life as much as I hate it in your life. Um, anybody with me on that? Right? But, so... If Simon, did I get it right? Yes! So if Simon, if I see Simon heading down a path that's going to destroy his life, 
I love Simon, so I hate that sin. So imagine if Simon started, you know, taking drugs and interacting with people on a regular basis that are harmful for him. When you see it, how many do you hate that? You know what I'm talking about? Or there's a, a married couple, and the, the, the husband somehow reconnects with his old girlfriend on Facebook, and they start interacting, and next thing you know, the marriage is gone. The wife starts interacting with an old high school sweetheart, and, and all, next thing you know, the marriage is gone. That's in that list, isn't it? Fornication, adultery, covetousness, envy, all of those things. And when I watch that work out, here's what happens. If that happened with Ty and Diana, this is the one that suffers. Eva's the one that suffers. Anderson suffers. You guys are slow. You knew what I needed. Leave me hanging like that. But y'all know what I mean? Man, I hate that sin. I hate it. I hate it when just the world makes policies to kill babies. Man, I, I hate it. I just hate it. Do you know it's possible to hate what's going on in the world and still love people? And I know Christianity errs on both sides. There's the licentious Christianity that accepts everything. That's wicked. That causes more trouble. Woe to him that calls good evil and evil good. On the flip side of it, there's Christians, they're so angry they can't work for God or have any actual influence in the world because they are repugnant as people. We can't be that. David's testimony in these eight verses, man, it is such a good warning for us. But now let's, those are his statements about himself. Let's look at his requests to God, his request to God. I love this one. Look at verse 122. Be surety for thy servant. Let not the proud oppress me. Be surety for thy servant. Do you know what that is? Isaac, come here for a second. Here, here, turn around, look at the crowd. Who's better looking? Okay, um, Bieber. So, you can imagine that someone like Isaac, kind of a smart mouth, there'd be situations where there's going to be a need to fight. And you all know that if we were friends in school, I would be the kind, gentle person in the background, never saying anything to cause trouble. Y'all believe that, right? And now, all of a sudden, there's a group of guys, you three guys come up here. And now you're coming at him. But you don't have to, but we'll just... And I, I walk up on it, and I see there's about to be some trouble. And I know he's in big trouble because his mouth has written some checks that his body can't cash. He's in trouble. That be surety for me, do you know what it is? I'm with him. You're not scared. All right, you're going to be seated. <laughs> Somehow this illustration didn't work. That's what it is. That's... 
I'll speak for him. And he says, God, be surety for me. Be behind me. Be with me. So he's asking God to do that. Do you all see that? Now go to the first John passage. Hopefully your ribbon is still there. First John chapter 2. Look at verse 1. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. So basically, paraphrase of that, don't sin. Now how many of you know that was the, the Harry Truman thing? He was known as a man of few words. He went to church and someone said, what did the preacher preach on? He said, sin. What did he say about it? He's against it. <laughs> that was his synopsis of the sermon. This, a, a, a simple synopsis of this verse, don't sin. Can you all see that? But when you do, I love it. My little children, these things write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, what are those next two words? Everybody, what are those next two words? Everyone, what are those words? So we don't ask God to be our advocate. We don't ask Christ to be our advocate. If you're saved, he is. So let's read it. My little children, these things write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. What are those next two words? The righteous. Man, I'm not righteous. So I've got the world, the flesh, and the devil coming at me. I've got the accuser coming at me. If I were to stand before God and the accuser came and said, look at him, look how evil he is, look how wicked he is, look how unfaithful he is, I would have to say, yes. And then Jesus steps up and says, he's with me. He's with me. And what he would do is he would step between me and the accuser and he would say, who accuses me? Of sin. How awesome is that? You know, I've often thought, you know, you're driving and somebody's road raging you and they cut you off. I've often thought, how cool would it be to get out of the car and be weighed new? When I get out of the car, it doesn't have the same effect. You know what I mean? If Brent gets out of the car, they go, yes, sir, I'm sorry, sir. You're a wonderful driver. You know, in this little fight scenario, imagine if Mike Tyson walked up behind him. He said, I'll cut your ears off. I'll eat your ears. <laughs> One of my favorite sports lines ever. He said, you know, this guy has a plan to beat you. He goes, everybody has a plan to you punch him in the face. <laughs> you see... I've got the Savior. And I don't know about you guys, but especially at times like this, when I see my own lack of faith, when I see my own frailty, my own personality and nature get in the way of the work that I'm supposed to do for the Lord, I can start questioning my own spirituality. Y'all know what I'm talking about? My own faith. What am I really trusting? But then I have to remember that I have an intercessor, the Holy Spirit, who when I'm praying for God to kill people, tells the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit tells the Father, 
you know, change Jim's heart. Help him to love people. But I do think the Holy Spirit is saying, yeah, and kill these other ones. But anyway, I love it that I don't have to pray for an advocate. I have one. Do you know what I need to do? I need to stop fighting it for myself. So it would be like going to court with a lawyer who understands what's going on, and you keep interrupting the lawyer and digging a hole deeper and deeper and deeper for yourself. What are you supposed to do? You brought someone to speak for you. Let them speak. You know what I know from experience? Make sure you got the right lawyer. But if you've chosen Jesus as your advocate, you can just sit back and say, watch this. And rest. How many of you honest? You be honest right now. You're struggling with resting in the, in the Lord right now. You're struggling with that. Man, just remember, he, you don't have to ask for him to be your surety. He is that. That's what he is. Look at these other requests. The next request, so we're back in Psalm 119. Be surety for thy servant. Then in verse um, 121, <clears throat> second part of the verse, leave me not to mine oppressors. Leave me not to mine oppressors. At the end of verse 22, let not the proud oppress me. And it's interesting. Spurgeon said this. So if you look at the beginning of verse 121, I have done judgment and justice. Leave me not to mine oppressors. Spurgeon said moral integrity is a great helper of spiritual comfort. Moral integrity is a great helper of spiritual comfort. It will be much easier for, easier for you to pray to God, don't let me be oppressed if you're not oppressing someone else. Is that fair? Don't oppress people. Do justice. Do righteous judgment. How many of you have someone that is under you at work? Would you raise your hand? In some way, whether you're a teacher with students or you're a commander, you're a line leader, you're a manager, hold your hands up again. Treat them right. Do right by them. Do not oppress them. Encourage them. Help them. That's what you're there for. If you'll do that, you say, no, no, I'm here to get the job done and make the company money. If you encourage your workers, they will make the company money. Amen? And, you ready for this? You'll act like a Christian. So that when the world comes in to oppress you, you'll have people that will stand up for you. So, one of the things I, I enjoyed seeing... Now, I understand that these people are not exactly where we are and that kind of thing. But the actor, Chris Pratt, was attacked because he's a Christian. Right? And it's interesting. Some of the most vile people in the world defended him because of how kind he's been to them. How many of you think maybe Christians, other Christians, could learn a little bit from that? Amen? Look with me. Look at another uh, of these requests that he made to God. Um, oh, I love this one. Look at verse 124. Deal with thy servant according to mercy. You know, all of us pray for justice. I don't have to spend any time here because we understand. How many of you know that we all deserve hell? And so we want God to deal with us according to mercy. Maybe we need to learn to deal with other people according to mercy. Amen? I'll start over. Amen? Okay. Um, then look at what it says. This is the way 
that will be able to do it. See, 124 again, deal with thy servant according, according unto thy mercy and teach me thy statutes. I can't deal with people according to mercy unless I know what God has written in stone. These are the things that are vital. If you don't like somebody's haircut, that's not vital. Are you with me? And I don't have time to go into it, but let me just say this real briefly. I listened to a podcast, and it's, it's people that used to believe like us who don't believe like us anymore. And here's the part that bothered me. A lot of what they said was right. Because churches have behaved, churches that I would know of, they've behaved in a way that was not biblical. And so, what, so let me give you an example. So if you tell someone that wearing a certain color lipstick is the same thing as changing the Bible. They're the same thing. And you find out that the Bible doesn't care what color lipstick you use. So tie, whatever. You find out that the Bible doesn't care. Well, then I guess I can change the Bible too. They lied to me about this. Maybe they're lying to me about the Bible. See, this is why I can be merciful to these young men about just about anything until they violate one of God's statutes. Then the judgment has to come. Y'all with me? Now, mom and dad will have their own statutes for their house And that's right. Dad might say, not in my house. And that's okay. When you have your own house, you can have a different statute. And all the parents said. But at church, if I tell you that it's a sin to wear red shoes, and then you find out the Bible never says that, well, then he might think that that when I said stealing is against the Bible, that I guess I can steal. And so we, we lose so many young people because they don't have discernment because we've elevated unscriptural things to the level of Scripture. We can't do that. That's why I need God to teach me His statutes, not my statutes. Amen? All right, let's go on. His requests. His requests to God. Teach me thy statutes. Deal with thy servant according to mercy. Oh, then this one's so good. Um, Look at verse 125. I am thy servant. Give me understanding that I may know thy testimonies. Folks, we are coming into a time where we have to have understanding. That means we have to weigh the liberal commentator and the conservative commentator, the liberal preacher, the conservative preacher. We have to weigh it all by the scriptures. We have to have understanding. It's vital. It's vital that we do that. Um, Then... Right here. Right here, and I'm done. Verse 126. It is time for thee, Lord, to work. None of you know that we need the Lord to do some really amazing things. It's time for thee, Lord, to work. I had the privilege Thursday to be in a meeting, the launching of a Arabic-speaking Bible college. It's free, be online. Anybody in the world can, can take these courses, learn this material. And Brother Fagali brought in <clears throat> a, a young man from Sudan 
And this man had come to, he, he, was, he was a Muslim, and he was an educated Muslim. He really understood the Quran. And he came to the United States, and he kept asking God to teach him. And he'd walk by this Sudanese church, and he'd look in, and these people were celebrating. They were singing. They, they were dancing. There was joy. And he said, at the, at, the, at the mosque, you'd take your shoes off, you'd go and sit and be quiet, and the imam would speak. There's no joy. There's none of that. And so he just kept looking at it, and he's praying for God to speak to him. And so he got to where he would go and sit outside the church and listen to the preacher. Well, one day he said, well, I guess I need to learn what is in the Bible. Now, of course, he was told not to read the Bible as a Muslim. So he saw a lady coming out of the church, and he walked up and said, do you have an Arabic Bible? And she said, she had one in her hand. She said, you can have this one. And he went home and started reading. And he opened it up to Genesis. Of course, he opened it up this way. It's Arabic, and they read right to left. But he opened it up to Genesis, and he said, I believed that God had created the world, but I didn't know how. I found out that on the first day he did this, and on the second day he did this, and on the third day. And he got real excited because things that he already believed, he was learning about it. And then he got to Abraham, where God sacrificed, or where Abraham sacrificed Ishmael. And he found out it wasn't Ishmael that was offered, it was Isaac. And he said, wait a minute, this is older than the Quran. Why did the Quran change that? And he started reading and he got to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And he saw on the back of this Bible that if you wanted to receive Christ to call this number, and it was the church. So he called the church and he asked for the man that had been speaking he wasn't available. The lady that answered the phone said, what can I do for you? And he said, well, I read in the back of this Bible that if I wanted to receive Christ, that I could call this number. And she led him to the Lord over the phone. She's crying. He's crying. And now this man has started a church in Sudan. They have a Christian day school with 500 students in it, teaching them the word of God. They've established three churches and all of that happened because there were a group of Sudanese believers in the United States that loved God's statutes, that loved God's word. See, folks, we need to get to where we love God's word more than we hate our political opponents. We've got to get back to, to giving the gospel and leading people to the Lord in realizing that God is working in amazing ways. There was another pastor from Sudan that was there, and they took that Jesus film, and they translated it into Arabic, but they made sure that they used the accent that the people in northern Sudan use because they hate the people from southern Sudan who have a different accent. They've had more than 10,000 people in Sudan come to know Christ through that. And in northern Sudan, they can't build a church building. They have to lead people to Christ and then have a service in their home. And then after a week or two, that service has to move to somewhere else because they'll come and kill them. But God's working. You know, it's time for God to work among Grace Baptist Church 
among us, and we definitely need God to work in our nation. It's time for God to work. So let me ask you this morning, how's your faith in God? How's your love for his word? How's your love for your enemies? How are you doing praying for our leaders? And man, I'm with you. I'm one of you. We are of the same mind. But I do know this. God is greater than my heart. We need God to work. Amen? Lord, we love you. Please work. And Lord, my request is that you'll begin to work in me. Lord, we know that change has to begin with the house of God.